0: questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
1: One evening in January 1973, 14-year-old Dolly Saffron gazed out the window of her home near the Florida Everglades. Without warning, a UFO dropped from the sky and hovered in her backyard. To her shock... Dolly could see thin gray-skinned figures with large dark eyes staring back at her. Frightened, she dived under her bed to hide. At that moment, her bedroom filled with a blazing blue light. The next thing she knew, morning had arrived. She was lying on the floor wearing somebody else's pajamas. She had been taken. Again. This was not her first episode of Missing Time. It had happened many times before. Only this time, Something different happened. Dolly remembered. In fact, she remembered everything. For most of her life, Dolly has kept her encounters a complete secret. But now, she has agreed to come forward and tell the world the truth about the UFO presence on our planet. ETs are not abducting people against their will. They are not here to hurt anyone or take over our planet. The truth is, they are here to help, to heal, to guide and enlighten. are here, Dolly says, to ensure that everyone survives the many challenges facing humanity today. Get ready for Close Encounters of the Ultimate Kind, The Dolly Saffron Story.
2: You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. Don't forget to visit
0: the Veritas store for focused life force energy, rebounders, pure organic
2: sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now... Here's your host, Mel Hostelrick.
1: Dolly Saffron began her life journey already a generational contactee. Her father, an airborne ranger in the US Army, was also a contactee from an early age. Growing up was challenging for Dolly as occurrences of disappearing from her home, psychic phenomena, and unseen friends caused anxiety for her mother. Until the age of 14, Dolly's memories were not fluid. She knew strange things were happening. could not connect reality to them. It took a huge push to fight for her conscious recall to remain intact. After gaining awareness, her life took on purpose. Nursing began her journey. Then she began serving as a civilian worker in the U.S. Department of the Treasury, and also in the Army as a Department of Defense employee. Life changed those trajectories suddenly, and she was happy to become a zookeeper and an animal baby mama for a private zoo and sanctuary in Florida all while being taught by and working with E.T. Dolly's decision to break her silence is now an imperative for her. Her story has also been captured by the author, Preston Dennett. The book is titled Symmetry, A True UFO Adventure. Dolly Saffron joins us from South Florida. And directly from Blue Ridge, Georgia, I'd like to introduce Dolly Saffron. Hello, Dolly, and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
2: I'm wonderful. Thank you. And I'm happy to be here.
1: My pleasure. Well, Preston Dennett did an outstanding job encapsulating your story. He's a great author, a great researcher who I admire. He's been on this show before. And I decided to call you directly because, you know, sometimes people are no longer with us. And I understand that. But if I can get the testimonial directly from the witness, why not, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: There's something you said at the beginning of the book. You said that there's a quote. You say, I am two different people. I live two separate lives. What do you mean by that before we begin?
2: Um, it's uh, basically I'm a human living on this planet with everybody else. I'm living a day-to-day life. I have karma like everyone, but I also live with E.T., and I commune with them and communicate with them constantly. And it is uh, totally different. Uh, living conditions and uh, um, emotional, mental, all of it, it's totally different. I'm two different people.
1: That's what I thought of- you meant. That's really what I thought you meant, but I want you to say it yourself. Now, I always like to go in chronolog- chronological order because I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Take us back okay. to that night after midnight. In late January 1973, in South Florida, while you were outside stargazing with your telescope at the age of 14, not far from where I used to live in Kendall.
2: Oh my goodness! Um, how about that, um, I was out in the backyard. I I was taking astronomy lessons at the um, uh, the Miami uh, Transit Planetarium, and I was doing homework that night. And it was a school night. I was out late. And my dad, you know, we always left our windows open at night, excuse me, back in those days. And so he said, go to bed. It's almost one in the morning. So I packed down my scope and came in the house and went to my room, got my jammies on, brushed my teeth. And instead of going right to sleep, because I don't sleep a lot, it's not my nature to do so. I sat on the edge of my bed by the jalousied windows in my room. And as you know, in Florida, they're huge. Um, They can be. And uh Just looking up at the sky, it was a beautiful night. It was a good night to look. Orion was up, my favorite constellation, and I just couldn't help myself. Uh, Prior to that, I had been trying for a long time to decide how I was going to proceed with myself because I was having contact, but it wasn't fluid in my memory. In other words, I had snatches of memories. I knew what was happening to me, and I wanted to prove it to myself. I wanted to stay awake all the time. I was starting to think maybe I'm crazy, and I needed help. As I was looking up in the sky that night, I saw hundreds of lights in the sky that were not stars. And I thought, oh, my God, what's going on? Uh, they paired up into twos, you know, and some went north, east, west, and south. <clears throat> uh, two of them came down over our area. Uh, two of, One of them went toward Dadeland Mall on Kindle. And uh, the other one came down where we were out in the glades. I was welcome. Past, oh, back in those days we were well past 134th Avenue. It's way out in the glades, and uh, we were like way south of Tamiami Trail. And um, it came down over our property and over our home, and I saw it change colors as it was coming down. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my chance! You know, I'm gonna remember this. And I started memorizing, taking it off in my memory, you know, like a movie camera, just tick 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 tick, watching it and when it came down uh, i had two huge trees in my backyard <clears throat> sorry uh, one of them was one of those uh, i call them prayer plant trees The leaves if you touch them they fold off it was huge and it was right outside my window and as it came down all the leaves started folding up and they started whipping around like there was a wind and i was like my god what am i looking at and as this thing came down it finally uh, ca- i could see that it was metallic it was a craft and i'd never seen anything like it in my life and that I could remember, and I started memorizing it. By the time I got up to the ports, I could see one being in each port staring me dead in the face, looking at me directly, and I panicked. And I turned, and I was going to dive under my bed. (laughs) Where are you going to go in that situation? And as I made the turn, my whole room blasted me with blue-white light, and I froze. And then the next thing I know, I'm waking up on the floor in my room, uh, dazed, and pissed off because there went my memory that night, gone, you know, I remembered all the way up to where the blue light was, but nothing after that for that moment. And I was crying. I was upset. I was, why am I on my floor? It's three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And I can hear my mom in the kitchen. She's cooking breakfast for my father who left by four thirty-five o'clock every day. And um, I was like, crap, you know, uh, excuse my French. And so I, I started to get up. I was going to change and get ready for school. And then I realized I'm not wearing my pajamas. Something's wrong. I'm wearing somebody else's and they're backwards inside out. And I started to like freak a little bit. And, uh, I ran in the bathroom. I took them off. I got in the shower, got dressed and ran out to the kitchen because now I'm freaking I need to talk, you know? Um, my mom was cooking. She said, make coffee. I made the coffee. I sat down at the table in the kitchen and I'm like, mom, did y'all see anything last night? You know, did you hear anything, see lights, when, anything? And she turned around and said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, like UFOs. And she, she hated the subject. My whole life has been incident after incident after incident and it drove her crazy. Um, and she said, no, stop talking. And I sat there defeated. And then I thought, no, I can't stop this conversation. i got to find a way to talk to her. And I drank my first cup of coffee that morning. And as I was sitting there mulling over, how do I bring this back up again? She always played the radio in the morning. You remember Paul Harvey used to be on the radio all the time at course, Miami. The
1: rest of the story. And,
2: yeah. And uh, the news came on. And the newscaster, first thing out of his mouth, uh, two Dadeland police officers saw UFOs last night and described the whole thing. <laughs> I lost my mind. I started jumping up and down. I was like, ah, you know, help me. Oh my God. This is real. This is real. She I was emotionally freaking out. And she whipped around on me again and she said, Get out of my kitchen. You're dreaming. This is not real. Get out. And I thought, Oh my God, I can't go against this her. She's my mom and I know better. So I ran out the door and when I did. My dad was right there. And he said, Calm down, calm down. Uh, go, go calm down. You're over the top. I mean, he saw I was freaking out. He said, I got to come in the kitchen and eat my breakfast. You know, we'll talk about this later. Just go calm down. And I only have one private room in our home it's the bathroom. So I went in there, shut the lights off, shut, locked the door, slunk to the floor, and thought, oh my God, how am I going to remember all of this? Um, I started replaying it in my mind, second by second by second. And by the time I got to where the light flashed, Um, I started to uh, have recall. I don't know if you've ever recalled something suddenly and have it punch you in the head. It's nauseating. It hit me so hard. It made me sick. Um, I got an instant headache from it. I started just ball and ball and ball because, oh my God, I'm remembering what I remembered was literally almost everything all the way back to the beginning of my life. I mean, things were coming at me right and left. I I mean, I was really starting to get sick in there. I didn't know what to do. I started shaking. Um, My memory was literally when that light hit me, I saw an energy ribbon come down through the room. And I saw those two beings that I saw on the ports come down this ribbon to me. And um, I'm thinking, how the, you know, what? And I'm looking at them from the side of my eye because I'm not facing where they are. And one walked around to me and he took me by the arm and turned me and walked me over to this ribbon and put my hand on it with his hand on top of me. And my whole room turned opaque, white, light, opaque. And I felt funny. And the next thing I know, I'm going up with this guy, little guy, and I'm going toward my ceiling and I'm thinking, oh, no. And we went right through it. We went through the tree. We came up to this craft. And the ribbon wasn't like going in a door or anything. It was like coming up along this side of it. And when we got up alongside of it, that I saw that there was an open hatch. You know, like, a, like just suddenly there was an opening. And once my feet got up to the level of where that opening was, he shoved me in. And I landed on my keister inside the door. And they came in behind me. And the next thing I know, that door just appeared shut. In other words, I didn't see how it shut, but it was just suddenly no more door. And I looked over and there was a woman sitting next to me. I was on a, on a I guess you would call it a bridge. And there were uh, four seats. Uh, one of them was like a command chair. And then the other were like a, a some sort of odd type of seating, couchy kind of thing. And she was sitting there staring at me, and I realized, oh, my God, I know who this is. And uh, she's a tall gray, and uh, I called her mama. I met her the first time when I was almost six years old. I remembered her, and I started to really, really shake and freak out at that point, and I puked all over myself through a bag. Um, I was literally holding it in the shirt of my pajamas, freaking out. I mean, I was just like... <laughs> I was totally <laughs> weird, okay? And these one of these little gray guys came up to me and said, you know, in my head, come. And I got up, and they wrapped something around me to contain my emissions and took me down to a place where they cleaned me up. They got me something to wear. It was like a smock, you know, dressy kind of smock thing, and uh, brought me back up. But by this time, I'm going into cold, dead shock. Because of what's happening to me. I mean, I really remember everything at this point. I didn't even know how to think, let alone. It was just like everything was pounding me in my head. It was excruciating. And uh, they decided that at that point that I needed, I was going into shock. I mean, physical shock from it. And she asked them to walk me around the craft and show me everything. Ground me to my surroundings because I knew where it was. And, um, they took me on a tour of the craft. I mean, I saw everything. Uh, they even took me to a room that was my room. I had a bed, like a little alcove. I had a book in there. I had, uh, a brush on the table that I thought I lost. <laughs> it was my fuller brush. <laughs> I thought I lost it. It was right there. And, uh, they gave me something to drink and that helped calm me down. And then they took me back up to where mama was on the bridge. And they sat me down and, uh, as soon as I sat there staring at her, I hear this voice in my head say, "Hey kiddo, how you doing?" And then I realize, oh my God, it's the craft. This is Talara. He is a uh, interdimensional entity that actually indwells the craft and runs it. Okay, um, every every ET craft there is are indwelt by entities. These crafts are built to be biological, so that the entity that indwells it can run it. Use it like a body. Is it AI um, or
1: is it a living, living being that embodies the craft?
2: It is a living, non-corporeal entity from the fifth, about the fifth dimension. Not AI? No, the AI that came down to get me were AI, little teeny gray AI, little teeny guys. Biological um, robots. Like, yes. And you can turn them off. They do not stay awake all the time. They uh, they can, you can s- stack them up in a corner when they're off and they walk around. They're very intelligent. They can learn. They can make decisions about things where they're at. They're that intelligent. But they're not, they have no soul. They're just AI. Um, They've been they're sort of like their workforce space is a very dangerous place and when they're outside uh, planets that have magnetospheres they're in their deep space it is as heavy gamma radiation is everywhere and it'll eat you alive if you're in it for too long and they don't spend a lot of time out there they send the AI to do the heavy work for them and uh, so these guys were piloting the small craft that picked me up and took me up to you know um, a bigger craft which I eventually went to that day um. once I grounded and I knew where I was and I knew Talata was talking to me, he, they wanted to literally have a long conversation with me about who I was, what I was doing, what I decided to do with my life, and did I want to work and be with them. I was being invited into their society, and I was uh, being told that I am sort of, we're all... <laughs> They are our progenitors. Okay. They are our parents. We are related to them. Um, some of them absolutely directly. And uh the, especially the tall grays and what you would call a tall white, we are they are our parents. We are genetically, they're human. They, we are just like them. And we may look differently, but we evolved away from each other. So we, you know, when you're in spot two, you look different because of the. What you're coming in contact with all the time, they're hairless. The greys are hairless because of the amount of gamma they take, um, and they're also in an environment on the craft that's very electrified, and it's like constant electrolysis. You just lose your hair, and <laughs> they're gone with it. It doesn't exist on their bodies anymore.
1: Obviously, um, Dolly, there's a hierarchy, I believe. I mean, as you said, the bio robots, the the, the short greys, they're bio robots without a a soul. But then you have Mama, right. which is the tall gray, the tall gray. But you also have the tall yes. whites. Which of the two is higher in the let's say food chain?
2: Oh, they're all pretty equal. They're um they're they've these entities these beings have been around for so long. They've worked together for so long that um, everybody's equal to everybody else. They are wide open psychic. They hear everything everybody thinks. They don't have like a government like we would call a government. They have a a cooperative um, together. There's no king, there's no queen, there's no president, none of that. There's no army, nothing. They are uh, entities that have interests. They cooperate with one another. They do things together, and it's uh, they're just all known to one another. They work together, they play together, and they hang out, and they do what they do. Uh, These are very scientific beings. These are beings who are evolving as we are. They're uh, learning as we are. They're extremely advanced from us. And when I say wide open psychic, I'm not kidding you, on a level that um, is really hard to explain to you. It's like they seem like they're magic to us. And they're not. They're just psychic, and they know how to manipulate uh, light. They, um, They travel by light. They know how to open what I would describe as a light gate, and go hundreds and thousands of light years across the galaxy in half a second. That's how they get here. And um, their technology is so advanced that it, we couldn't even comprehend it. By the you know,
1: way, um, I smiled when you mentioned the Miami space transit Planetarium in Coconut Grove, I, right next to the Vizcaya Museum, the, the this old Gaia, one. that's right. <laughs> yeah. I spent many childhood summers uh, there at the uh, Science Museum. But the part about your pajamas, let's go back to that for a second, being put backwards. And not only that, they weren't even your pajamas. It reminds right. me of the story of Betty Hill, who shared a similar story of her abduction. And you both had missing time as well.
2: Yes. I'm not surprised. Uh, I think she met um grays who are probably from Zeta reticuli. There are there are three different races of grace, you know, like ethnicities of them, and they're from different parts of our galaxy. They're all the same in that um they're grace. That's their human, their human genotype, uh, but they just come from different areas of the galaxy. Uh some are from Zeta reticuli, some are from Orion, and then some are out not uh, and, uh near uh, past the Pleiades, way past the Pleiades. Uh like if you were to look through Orion and then look toward the Pleiades and then go straight out from that, they're way out there. Um so yeah, there's three ethnicities out of them.
1: Where were there's, the ones uh, that you interacted with from? And what would they what are they doing here?
2: Um they watch over us. We are planted here by them. We're their children. Uh we're evolving uh we were um given a chance to evolve here learn what we can learn uh this dimension that we live in is very gravity heavy and it's very specific and there are things that we are doing here to evolve and so they watch over us as that's happening and they've you know they expect us to catch up with them eventually Um, Right now, we're not doing such a good job. (laughs) Uh, We should be wide open psychic like they are. But for some reason, we've put that down and dropped away from it. And it's causing us all kinds of problems. Do we drop drop that down?
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do we drop that down? Or is it, I mean, because we know of our pineal gland, right? That that could be our own Wi-Fi antenna to get all this psychic abilities. But, you know, that's being calcified by the water, by the air we breathe.
2: Right. Well, just our lifestyles and the people that run this planet have not been very kind to humanity itself. Uh, Slavery is big here, and there are people here who live as slaves and you don't even know it. You know, you think you're free, but you're not. Uh, You're a slave to a higher authority here, and it's worldwide. And um, people don't recognize it because they're cut off from their ability to hear the truth you know, to use their own innate abilities to discern what's really going on around them. Let me go back to the the,
1: the story. You went to school that Monday after your event that happened at uh, at night, uh, Saturday, Sunday. But you had a classmate, uh, Monique, that's not her real name, who had gone on a date that Saturday evening and also saw a UFO, the same object you saw. What was your impression when you heard somebody else, plus you heard on the radio that the police was saying they saw something.
2: I was, uh, amazed that, uh, they were, uh, so active. And why was I remembering everything and, uh, or trying to at that point? Cause, um, it took me a little while for my memory to like hit me. Once I did, it took me a couple of days to assimilate. Well, what hit me. I mean, it took me literally a couple of days and she was jumping up and down and freaking out about it all by herself. And she was like, we got to tell people we got to this and that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Shush. we don't Mm-mm. No, <laughs> We'll get in trouble. People will ostracize. Say, oh my God, I have problems in school now with, pe-. you know what I'm saying? I, I, I was cut off from all of that. I didn't want that over my head either. And I knew she couldn't have taken it. So we just kept, made a pact to be quiet. Um, it turns out it was a good thing because she was a contactee as well. And once we both realized that, we were being contacted, both of us, her for different reasons for me. Um, she has a younger sister who she used to tell about it privately all the time. Um, she now, I'm sorry to say, has passed on. She had breast cancer really bad and she didn't survive. Um, but her sister remembers what she told her about us. Um, there are one or two other children out where we lived out in the glades also who I know are contactees as well. So it's like, I lived in a hot area, I guess you'd call it. We were for whatever reasons. Um, I think there are more people in the country and around the world that are contactees as well, constant contactees and are either aware of it or not aware of it. They're just not, not everybody's talking, you know? Your father
1: was in in the military. He was an airborne Ranger. And yes. A NASA architect, a sergeant in the United States Army with a long and distinguished career. Did either of your parents have similar experiences? And are these events multigenerational?
2: Um, I've come to realize in my case, I can speak for myself, yes. Uh, my father was a contactee. He was contacted about the same age I was, uh, not under exact circumstances, but he his memories are pretty strong about it. And they continued, his contact continued throughout his life. Um, we, we, once I realized that we were on the same page, he and I sort of just had our own quiet little talks about it. Um, he did, I did get to see him a couple times, uh, with ET on board and, uh, which was really kind of cool. And, uh, but yeah, he, he, his work for the government was very specific and, um, I know more about it than I probably would have otherwise because of the contact And yes, my father was heavily, heavily psychic. My mom was also, but something happened to her when I was, before I was born that I think messed with her so bad, she just wanted nothing to do with it anymore. I know that there are psychics on my mom's side as well as my father's side. And it is generational. I have an interesting pedigree. And so I know I've been followed, you know, our family for a long time.
1: When you saw your father on the craft, was he he part of the military at the time?
2: No, he got to come up and watch me fly. <laughs> I was, uh, it was a big day for me. It, um, I, I finally learned to fly, and it took me all the way till I was nineteen to be allowed to go out on my own. And they brought him up and let him sit with me on my oh, first wow. flight.
1: So he was a yeah. passenger, literally.
2: Yes. Uh huh. He was very proud of me.
1: Let, yeah. let, that's going to be later because that, that's a great part. How did you begin to follow to have full recollection? of your experience. Tell me about the teacher that offered to teach you biofeedback and what came out of that. Is that the precursor to you having full recollection?
2: I was, it was part of it. Um, I had a migraine by the time I got to school. And after my friend was talking to me, I was like, Oh my God, I think I need to go home. I'm getting sick. And he saw me, he said, what's wrong? And I said, I have a migraine. He said, come here, I got something I want to try with you. And I'm like, okay. You know, I went to a progressive high school. It was college preparatory. And uh, he sat me down. I said, "Look what I've got." And he had this machine, and he had a little train that ran around on a track, and uh, electrodes that you put on your brain and on your head. And he said, "Let's try this. Let's try some biofeedback. I'm gonna teach you how to do f- biofeedback, and this is gonna help you learn it, and it's gonna help your headache." So I wired <laughs> me up, and uh, he said, "You have to go into alpha," and uh, he showed me how to do that, and I did it right away. I mean, the train started running, and. It, his eyes got really wide and um i realized oh my god and when i went into alpha like that and the train started running it hit me even harder it's, it's like my whole brain started just to, to pop with more going on and i i was going to throw up again and i looked at him and he couldn't understand what was wrong with me what, you know and i said i really got to go home and i ran out the door i left school i walked All the way down, um, I went to Southwest Miami Senior, so I had to walk down 86th Avenue or 86th Street all the way down to Bird Road to find a bus, you know, a Metro bus to go out as far as far as I could have gone. I could have gone all the way to, you know where the turnpike is? Of course. And then, uh, Okay. I went out as far the turnpike wasn't there then but it was you know they were thinking about building it so I got dropped off there and I had to walk miles to my house after that and while I was doing all this every step I took more memories started hit me and I mean I literally uh, chomped it all out from the beginning to the end I mean I was remembering things that I that just blew me away. I mean, every time I had one, I would either be crying or trying to puke or, I mean, it's just one thing right after the other. By the time I got home, I was a mess. Um, I took aspirin. I, I drank water. I went and laid down and slept all the way to the next morning where my dad got me up and he said, uh, come on, we're going to go somewhere. And I'm like, okay, where are we going? <laughs> he says, going to go see a friend of mine. And I'm like, okay. And uh, he got me in the car. It was before dawn. Uh, we brought something to eat. Cause you know, back in Miami in those days, it was, where were you going to go, you know, to get breakfast? And, um, or a couple of places, but he, uh, we had to get on the highway cause we went up to, um, oh, I'm trying to think now I'm going to have a senior moment. I'm sorry. Anyway, we were going up heading North up the, you know, up the East coast of Florida. And, uh, we went to this house and, uh, he knocked on the door and a guy opened the door and I recognized who he was. I'd seen astronauts before. I knew who he was. And uh, he said, come on in, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, where, what are we doing? My dad knew he, he was going to have me hypnotized. He thought hypnotism would help me at that point. And uh, it was Edgar Mitchell and he was already starting that institute that he had, you know, for consciousness. Science. Yep. Yes. And uh, sat me down and it took, a couple of hours actually for him to get me down relaxed enough to try anything. And it, he worked with me for another hour and he looked at my dad and he said, she cannot be hypnotized. And he said, why? And he said, I think she's already awake. <laughs> she doesn't need it. And he said, she's got something going on. And that's when my dad finally told me the truth about himself and that he was contacting him what happened to him. And once I knew that it kind of gave me permission opened my mouth because when you got a mother who doesn't want to know you don't want to tell you know it was like a giant wall across me to not talk to anybody about anything and I finally spilled and he was like oh my god this is it you know and uh, that's how that went we left his place I'd gone back to see him a few times Edgar Mitchell actually told me about his experiences some of them and I was blown away and uh, he also swore me to secrecy said you can't talk about my experiences ever what year so was
1: that like, when you when you met
2: 1973 uh, 2 oh, wow. days after yeah yep and uh it's amazing it's amazing fort worth that's where he was in fort worth and um uh I'm <laughs> like reversing the coming back we left fort worth yeah he was in fort worth it's i guess that's where he lived and um
1: did you ever this, tell him about well, yeah, he 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 died not too long ago. I know that at yes, one point they took you around the moon and you saw the, the let's let not call it a dark side of the moon, the hidden side, the other side of the moon. The you back saw. side. The back side. The back back. side. Yeah. Did you mention that to Edgar Mitchell? Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. He raised an eyebrow and that's when he told me something.
1: What did you see on the other side? Um,
2: I saw a small um, base it's not it's not like you would think of a base um it's in the side of like a rocky uh hilly you know it's not in the in other words it's not flat with something on top of it it's in the side of like a big rocky outcropping hill kind of thing and it's in it and uh it's big enough probably we're about 500 feet above it and um I wanna say it's a it's like a good size. A couple hundred people could fit in this thing. All right. I saw some uh I, I questioned at the time. I said, is the moon hollow? I I mean that literally came out of my mouth and it absolutely not it is not hollow. Okay. It is an actual moon. Does it look it like the biography. side
1: that we face?
2: Um, no, it's a little bit more um geographical back there. In other words, uh, there aren't as bit many hits on that side for some reason. I've never figured that out. Why? It's pockmarked, okay? But there's not as a huge many gouges out in it, like on the other side. There's been some big hits on the moon from you know asteroids and things like that. It's taken a lot of hits. And uh, where you see on the—you know there's a lot of dust in, in space. Mm-hmm. I mean, tons of it. And the moon is powdery from it. And the moon would be all white looking if it had not been hit by anything. But it's we've had some, you know, pretty bad hits on it. And the ground that's underneath it shows in places. That's why you see dark spots and valleys and big gouge outs and all kinds of stuff. The moon's not perfect anymore from that. And on the backside, though, it's a little less um, disturbed. And uh, so they got that going on. One of the reasons would probably because that base is protected by a um gravitational uh force on the backside around that base. And uh, they use the same technology around that base as they do on their craft. Is there it's more a life? Wave.
1: Is there more life on the backside of the moon?
2: Um just AIs mostly. Uh they have people that do go back and forth and, and visit and stuff like that, but it's mostly all AIs. Like I said, it it's space is not Okay, there's no real magnetosphere on the moon, and you're as exposed to gravi- uh, gravi- um, gamma radiation as you are anywhere else in the universe, and it's heavy. So, no, you can not stay there for very long. Humans can't exist on the moon for very long periods of time. I don't know what why everybody believes. or, or I know why. Y'all aren't really told the truth about a lot of stuff, okay? Uh, just saying Mars is a dead planet. It has no magnetosphere. It's a dead core. It's a cold planet. It's outgassing. It was damaged in a horrible, horrible hit from another planet incoming into our system 280 million years ago. And it's in the position it's in now for that reason. No life will ever exist on that planet again. None. And anybody who tells you otherwise is a little weird in my book because it's impossible, cannot happen. If you know physics and you know you know that cannot happen is what There's crashed no way.
1: is what crashed on mars what we know now as the asteroid belt
2: oh you mean incoming from the asteroid no, no i'm saying um, what we know now
1: that the remnants the kuiper belt, right the kuiper belt the asteroid belt yeah is that the object that crashed into mars and what we see now is no. the, the remnants or no
2: no, no. Something really big came into our system. It was a very big rogue planet. And it was probably dragging asteroids in with it, you know, because of the gravitation and, and it just slammed into Mars, hit it like a cue ball. You know how you play pool and you hit the white ball yep. pff, into the big ball, it just pff, popped it straight out. It 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 evacuated the entire outside of that planet in one shot. It killed the core. I mean, it killed it. You know, knocked it completely out. It is a dead planet. Were there but living beings corps? there?
1: That uh no, left, they were
2: evacuated. Evacuated we it to before be evacuated.
1: that, before the event. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. We our progen our family came from there. That's mm-hmm. who we are. We lived there eons ago. 280 million years ago we were there and they were lifted out and evacuated. Um this particular solar system, this particular galaxy, well all galaxies really have all kinds of events all the time. This is a very heavy gravitational third you know, dimensional, uh, construct that we're in, in our universe and things happen all the time. Nothing's permanent, you know, things happen and they got them out of there. They knew it was coming. Um, we're here now because they thought it would be a good idea to bring us back into the system and keep us going. Cause earth seemed to get moved into the sweet spot. It has seasons, you know, and, um, we're not tidal locked. We have a moon and uh, the the air was right. The temperature was right. So they brought everybody back. There's only one real interesting situation with that is we have uh, cycles on this planet and with our sun and well, with the universe, in fact, and uh, every, about every 12,000 years, our planet goes through some interesting things. Every 6,000 years, there's things that happen to us. And we have a sun that's young enough that it's still having micronovas. And they happen about every 12,000 years as well. Uh, science is just now catching up with the fact that all suns can micronova. They can do all kinds of things.
1: Is that what and, ca- causes the, let's call them great resets of the past?
2: Yes, Absolutely. You know, in this particular iteration that we're in this last 12,000 years that we're here, and we were left messages on the ground. I mean, the pyramids, all the pyramids around this planet tell a story that you're not in true understanding of. These are markers for you to figure it out. These are monuments to the fact that this, this happened. And what are you looking at and the mathematics of it? And there are a lot of scientists who do know the truth of it, and they just don't talk. Which I find kind of weird, but like I said, not everybody here has told the truth about everything.
1: No, look at, the, look at the daring Kuyu in Turkey. You have these underground cities that can fit millions of people, and this is thousands of years ago. Did they know right. something? Did they hide their people yes. there, hiding from this, let's call yes. it a micronova?
2: Uh, well it's we have one other thing that's happening. Our planet has a wobble because we were hit by debris from Mars being bashed around it, it it made our core bubble out somewhat, and we developed a wobble because of it and uh in the wobble, our planet will roll over every about every six thousand years. It's called the NOAA event, and uh what happens when that rollover happens and we change uh latitude uh for a planet and the uh It's a big deal. There's a lot of wind first when it starts to happen. It'll cut everything down, uh, literally strip the planet. Then water covers the planet. And then it goes into an ice age for a while. It calms down. E.T. pretty much picks everybody up, by the way. Noah was not in a boat on the water. Noah was in a craft. The story that you were told was by people who had no idea of technology at that time. And it's really hard to explain to people that there's a race of beings who take everything and everyone off this planet when this event's coming, and move you out of the way so that when it does happen, and then they bring you back, and uh, that's what happens here. About every six, seven thousand years. And but then where do we 12, go?
1: Years Obviously, it takes time before things yeah. get back to somewhat normal. Where do we go if they take us somewhere? And how long?
2: There, there are planets all over uh, our galaxy, safe havens for us. Um, Some of them are in the Orion cluster. Some of them are in the Zeta Reticuli. Some of them are... um, (sighs) I can't really say. I don't want to give this away. This is something that I've been told to be very careful what comes out of my mouth to you all about this. But there are places for you to go, and they take you. There's about four or five different planets. They split everybody up, and they take you different places and give you room and places to go. Uh, Some people don't... um, you're, you're one of the messages that I'm bringing to everybody right now that I've decided that it was time. And I wanted to stick my neck out because it's a big neck to stick out. Um, it's dangerous for me to be doing this, but I'm doing it is that the non-truth telling on this planet is so bad. And you are so clueless that somebody had to go, wait, You know, listen to what I'm telling you. You need to think about this. One, you need to start using your abilities. You have a pineal gland, as you said, in your brain. You are innately psychic. This is a natural phenomenon for you. You've experienced it your whole life in spurts and pieces, but you haven't really conjoined to it to use it properly. You've been talked out of it. The negativity on this planet is so bad, it's really hard to learn how to use your innate abilities under the circumstances. Like I said, we're all mental slaves here. Um, They want you to wake up. It's time. We're getting close to big things happening and they want you on board. They want you to use what you've got because you need to be able to hear what they tell you. You need to be able to communicate with them. You can't make somebody psychic. You're either psychic using it or you're being shut up like you're a deaf person. They want you to use it. They want you to learn. Um, Russell Targ was this uh, an FBI guy, NSA, CIA, all of that. Remote and He left, yes, and he knew this was coming, and he left some beautiful things on the internet for everybody. Uh, one of them is ESP Trainer. Go get it. It's uh, you can put it on your phone, on your computer. It's for uh, Android or you know uh, iPhone, desktop, whatever. Put it on on your system and use it it tracks you it teaches you it shows you when you're right when you're not Um, it enjoins you to get everybody in your family on board if you have small children let your children be psychic when they start telling you things do not poo poo it tell them hey what do you mean and explain make it a game with them they will immediately begin to really develop their abilities let them Okay, because once you're psychic, wide open psychic, you start hearing the truth. Universe is a very chatty place. The universe is a a universal mind. It's constantly thinking and talking. You can download from it. I mean, Tesla was proof of that. Okay, there are lots of people who tell you, I can hear the universe download to me. And it'll give you technical information. It'll teach you anything you want to learn. But you have to use your abilities to hear it. By the way,
1: you. as you're speaking, because I want to make sure I give the audience the right app, I want to put a ESP trainer on an iPhone, and I get mm-hmm. a plethora of others, but it doesn't show which one pre- exactly. Do you know which one it is?
2: The one is the red, green, blue, and yellow squared one. It lo- sort of looked like a Windows thing, and it'll say Russell Targ uh, in the application. It's the Russell Targ ESP trainer. That's the exact name of it. If you want, I'll I'll uh, send you an email with it.
1: That's fine. That's fine. We'll put a link on on our website too. This is so yeah. fascinating. Let me go back to to your story, uh, but there's little pieces that I like to dissect. You say the craft looked bigger inside than outside. Did you find out how that was possible?
2: Yes, Tlaloc, um, <laughs> because he's indwelling this craft and it's biological. When we breathe, we can expand our chest. Yes. Uh, We can move our limbs and make things happen with our body. Well, that craft is so uh, well-developed and specialized that he can, A, light it up inside and out like a cuttlefish. He can make it look like anything he wants to. He can expand the areas inside the craft as well as out. He can change some some shape a little bit. He can make himself a little bit more well-defined. Uh, than others, um, they stick to a basic shape each type of craft there is though, but yeah, you come in there and you 're going to put fifty more people than the craft can hold he'll expand out to accommodate, and yes, it can look very big, or he can move parts of the craft on the inside for different things that are going on, like if they need a surgical area or a, an area for plants or animals they can he can accommodate it he can change himself on the inside by moving things around to accommodate you.
1: By the way, I finally found the app, but I think what's confusing people is that it shows in the casino category. So if you go there, it's, it's the number five app on casino. So that may dissuade people from downloading thinking, hmm, what does this have to yeah. do with casinos?
2: I wonder why they put it there. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Maybe they don't want people to, to download it. Now no. talk about the small pod with the white purple light, the decontamination room.
2: Yes, they they um because water in space is um a commodity while you're traveling. They have and they use light technology. Um, and I'm going to equate it to what we use here because it's similar in a way. Is we use certain types of ultraviolet light to kill germs. Okay, like people can now put ultraviolet lights in the plenums of their air conditioners to kill germs that's blowing through uh, their house. Uh, Airplanes use it as well. You can put them in your kitchen. Uh, You can put them just about anywhere you want to destroy germs, okay? Viruses, things like that. It's very efficient. They have a type of light technology that's like a shower, and it showers down on you light particles that destroy germs and viruses and organisms. Uh, Not anything that you're uh, needing, but it can kill stuff on your skin and in your hair to, you know, decontaminate you from spreading anything to them as well. And uh, we all have pretty much the same thing going on, but they're vulnerable somewhat to some of our organisms as we are vulnerable to them. So they use it as well. Everybody's decontaminated on board.
1: Have they conquered disease?
2: Yes, pretty much. Um, And I don't think I've never run across anything that they really can't fix or uh, work with. Um, Light, technology, light is amazing, um, the way they use it. And uh, yeah, they can pretty much handle just about anything we've got going on physically. Mama is a tall gray, and she's over 800 years old. Um, I've started looking older than her. <laughs> I was staring at her one day, and I was thinking, you know, I look older than you now. This is not right, you know? And she just laughed at me. She thought it was funny. Um, but it's true. They live a long time because of this.
1: You Once you calm down and were decontaminated. This is a fascinating part. You were given a tour of the craft. Can you describe in detail what you saw?
2: Well, um, I can tell you a little bit about their technology. The first thing I saw was um, the room where they, um, it's, it's a power room. It's a very base room in there. It's the bottom of the craft and it can, Uh, uh, raise up or lower down depending on what they're using it for they have huge batteries in there and they uh, store power in there they need a lot of electricity to run the emitters that uh, um, process through a gravitational wave uh, guides that move their technology around to hold the craft in a stasis of energy and uh, so they have those and when they're not flying uh, full force. In other words, they have another type of uh, technology where they are nu- somewhat nuclear. It is not nuclear. Like we know it, they burn an element. Um, some of y'all know what it is already. It's element 115. Uh Bob Lazar tried to explain it to everybody. And when they burn it, it it's very efficient. It's one of the, it's a very heavy, heavy element that burns completely through. In other words, they use very small bits of it and it can create huge amounts of gravitational energy. That's what I mean by graviton wave. And uh, it it's uh, efficient as in it burns itself totally out. Um, there's no uh, leftovers from it. There's no waste. You know, nuclear waste from it. It's a very small chamber. It doesn't take much. So when they're out in space and they're away from us, because it's dangerous to be around them when they're using that technology, they're, the field they create is so electrified and so intense that it can hurt us. So they don't. They only fly outside our atmosphere with it when they come in. They're on batteries. So those are the two principal. Uh, energies that they're using on board this craft and they're in the lower part of the craft there's a central core that go up through every craft and that's where the gravitational waves from this uh nuclear chamber filter up through to go to the emitters they the small craft have like two emitters up top in the back and there's usually one in the front or vice versa just depends on which way they're moving um that's on the two lower floors. Then there's a middle floor where um, they have, uh, in the very small crafts, there's no food or anything like that on board. It's short hops. So they have a place where you can lie down for 20 minutes if you need to take a rest or whatever. But it's there's no like sleeping quarters. It's just all around in a circle all the way around the craft. Um, up on top of that, there's a third level that uh, is where they sit to pilot the craft. And they're always in the top. Uh, there is an entity in this craft, and then there's a driver in this craft, a pilot. And they work together psychically to run this craft. They, they don't use, it's really hard to explain it, because they're unlike technology and psychic ability and graviton. They're, everything they do is psychic literally psychic they don't have uh components like we have they don't have bells and whistles and you know knobs or anything like that there's none of that this is all psychic they use um interdimensional gravitational uh direction and they can like i said create a light gate and go through it um they're very fast um once you're in the antigrav in this environment that they those emitters create you can slip through anything i mean you're almost interdimensional as you're moving through anyway Um, They can do Mach 12 here without any problem whatsoever. Um, Outside of our atmosphere, they can go even faster than that. They travel through our solar system in minutes, not days, minutes from end to end of it. So, yeah.
1: I never once have heard from an abductee, and I know you don't like that word, abductee. So let's say experiencer. I'm a contactee. Contactee. I've never heard of anyone mention bathrooms inside the craft. Perhaps the (laughs) occupants don't need it. But what about people like you who spend hours inside the craft?
2: Yeah. Well, everybody goes to the bathroom and there is a way. In the short hops, like the sports model, Lazar calls them sports models. Uh, they don't have bathrooms on there. They go to a bigger craft. And yes, the AIs don't go to the bathroom, but we do. You bet. And they use it. A, a, um, it's sort of like, a, you know, you have composting. It's sort of like that. It's very efficient like that. There's no water, though. And they burn it up or they eject it outside of the craft. They let it go. Um, They also don't wear clothes over and over. There's no laundry. Everything is recycled. So that's what that is. Yes, they have some water for washing your face and for drinking and things like that, but it's um, very specific. They don't waste a thing when they're in space. Not at all.
1: Did you feel gravity?
2: Uh, Some. It's uh, not as gravity heavy as it is here. I go through a real change when I go from craft down to the planet because, um, and I have had issues with, uh, because of the amount of time that I spend back and forth, I've developed a couple of weird anomalies in my life because of a physical, I have to get over them. Um, uh, my spinal cord keeps going in, you know, stretching out and then compacting and I have a couple of discs that went bad on me because of it. Uh yes, there's not as heavy a gravity. I think they're at about mm, I don't float around, but I could I could jump up and hit the top of the inside if I wanted to. I mean, I could really do that. Um, I think we're at one third to three, you know, one almost half the gravity that you would have.
1: What creates here. the small amount of gravity inside the craft?
2: It's the graviton wave. Um, it it pulls you out of um,
1: but is that a machine that causes that effect inside the craft?
2: It's it's the environment that you're in. A graviton wave surrounds the entire craft. The emitters literally throw this wave guide all around the craft. There are two waves, actually, one on the uh, the craft that's enveloped in one wave uh, or one. Environment, and then there's another one outside of that. We don't feel inertia, we don't feel force, you know, any of that. Like a regular pilot, if he's going to do Mach one, Mach two, he has to, you know, he has to bear down and push the blood up into his brain so he doesn't pass out. They don't feel that; they don't have that at all. And uh, so it's that's why the gravity is different because you've taken yourself out of uh, th- 3D heavy gravity, and you're almost up into the fourth dimension. Uh, literally, you change dimensions, and it literally pulls you out of this dimension somewhat, and you're not you're not dimensional anymore.
1: Here, is there a plasma here. or an electric field surrounding the craft, and this is yeah, why you don't you don't feel any g forces?
2: Right, exactly. The plasma field is huge; it's very hot. That's why they glow white when they're in space. You see them pulsating, and yeah, glow up, it.
1: yeah, yeah, glow yeah. It, w- w- Power up. Some people call it.
2: Yes, it is power up. Yeah.
1: No, I'm saying that you see these videos all the time with infrared cameras, and that you know you have a group of people pointing lasers. And I don't know if it's a show of, of of force or or showing themselves, but they power up when they know that they're being watched.
2: Yes, they will. They will. They'll. 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 They'll give you a small burst, energy burst, so that you can see them. Are they you know. the same?
1: Are these power up craft that we see all the time? And I have so many videos to show. Are they the same? Uh, can I call it uh, ETs the same type, or are they different ones doing the same thing?
2: Um, in my experience, I've seen oh the small. Okay, so they've got drones. Okay, and they're pretty big drones. They uh, one or two AIs can actually fit in them, and they do fly them. Um, and then they have uh the what you call the two seaters. I call them two seaters, like Bob L- Lazar saw. Okay, and uh, then there would be Talada sizes about a. 150 foot diameter and he has like little grappling hooks his he's not completely round he has he has some interesting push-out shape to him like if you look at him sideways he looks like he's a like a dome and then another dome behind that he's sort of circular he gets close and he has grappling hooks on either side of him and that's because his type of craft can hold on to other crafts they fly in tandem together sometimes for reasons and then there's some bigger than that. Uh, we're getting into mothership types where they actually do have living quarters, spaces where you can eat, they cook, you have uh, long transport, that kind of thing. And they'll move bigger things on the mother craft. And they also carry uh, the smaller craft on them. Uh, one size mother craft can carry about a thousand uh, talada types craft and probably 5,000 more of that of the smaller ones. They're huge. Um, they tend to glow purple in, in our atmosphere. If you see, like if you're ever looking in the night sky and you see this great big purple patch out there and it's huge, like sun size, that's a mothership looking at you. It's up there. You can see it. That the, you, If you see purple in the night sky, like that light purple, that's a mother craft looking at you. For the record,
1: so, for the record, I think it was 2011 or 2012, the first time I ever saw what I would call like a real UFO. You know, I was mm-hmm. sitting in a field in, in Washington and I looked up and I was waiting and, you know, hoping all of a sudden I see this purple, purple as you just described it, a purple light approaching yeah. and as it's passing above me, it just became gold, a power up and it became gold. And then immediately after it became purple again. Are these the craft yeah. that you're talking about?
2: Yes, absolutely. That's another craft. Yep. You saw one. That's real. You just described it perfectly. That's it.
1: And I had a camera with me, but I was so mesmerized that I didn't even turn it on. That's, a, but <laughs> yeah. somebody else did. Somebody else did, and they showed it. They forwarded the video to me. Now, if Talera is a, a living being, where was Talera's intelligence located?
2: Um, he's a bilocal. He, in other words, he can be anywhere he wants to be.
1: By the way, you, you, you keep calling. And I'm interrupt you. You keep calling he. How do you determine is he or yeah. she or, or what?
2: Um, he he he. Um. Uh, he is a, he's decided that he is male. He is male. He's been male for eons okay. and eons and eons and he sees himself as male. Um, he literally is non corporeal. He had a body at some point way, way, way back. When. But by the way, I'm not no. arguing, I'm
1: not arguing the pronouns. I just wanted to know how, what, where was the he from? Yeah
2: yeah he's a male entity i think of him as a male um he is uh he's permanently male that's he's decided he's permanently male before that he would switch back and forth like we all do we all reincarnate we all come back all over the universe i mean you can be born here you can be born halfway across the universe in this galaxy wherever you can be born as anything you know a uh, biological human type Uh, But there are human genotypes throughout our entire universe. It's the construct of our universe. That's how it evolved and what it is. Um, We dime out differently. We look different. You know, they're different. circles. I mean, like we have examples of that here. If you live in a really sunny place, you're going to have a lot of melanin in your skin. If you live in a cold place and you're hiding out all the time, you're going to have skin white as cream. You know, Uh, we have different hair types, different hair colors you know, different attributes. They're like that as well. Um, There's some that are bird-like. There's some that are cat-like. There's some that are all animals. We're all related to one another. We're all genetically related. You're related to almost every animal on this planet. And throughout the universe, we're all genetically, this is our construct. This is what you're doing. Um, There are 12 dimensions in this construct. Our entire universe physically is in the third dimension. But within that construct of this universe there are 12 dimensions within it that's what it means to be interdimensional where you're sitting right now you're speaking to me inside that space where you're at there are 12 dimensions on top of you and you can't see them but they can see you People talk about having guardian angels. I got news for you. Those are interdimensional beings that, like you, have learned to love you because you're in the same space with them, and they'll help you from time to time. People talk about seeing angels. These are entities who are non-corporeal, some of them, or some of them are interdimensional corporeal, and you see them, and they look like angels. That's what you're seeing. It, it's very, very complicated and there's a lot going on at there. And it's really hard for y'all to know the truth of it because you can't see it. Once you start using your psychic abilities, things will start happening to you. Your eyes will open. You'll see energy for what it really is. You'll see these things happening around you and you'll go, Oh, wow. You know, where are there's, these craft?
1: Where are these craft made? And is it a scout craft that belongs to a bigger ship or is that small craft capable of going from, say, point A to point B without being part of a larger craft?
2: Um, no, they don't. Uh, they don't uh, light gate like the bigger ones do. They have to go to a bigger craft to light gate. Uh, so the small ones are just uh, here. Okay, they they transport them here, and they're all around us right now. You have. We have lots and lots and lots of drones around us watching us. We also have in our solar system several what you would call the nights uh those watching our system and watching what's happening here uh e t is not exactly around us right now our Our magnetosphere is down. Uh, It's about, some people argue about this. Some people want to say 20. Um, I'm saying it's closer to 40% down. We have tons of gamma coming on us for the last 80 to 100 years. It's bad. And uh, they can no longer fly here right now. It's too dangerous. So they've backed out. Can they keep in contact with us? Yes. Their their abilities are so far advanced. It doesn't matter where they are in our galaxy. They can keep up with us. They've got uh, technology out and around us that keep an eye on us. Um, they're waiting for things to happen now to where things start to repair Like our magnetosphere, you know, our, our poles are changing once that switches and our magnetosphere gains, uh, a lot more strength to it, then they can come back, but it's just not safe. They keep crashing. That's why they've crashed so much over these years. Um, it started about 80 years ago and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse until about a year and a half ago. And they went, Oop, that's it. We're done. And they left. So yeah.
1: Now, Explain again. What can, can we say? Roswell is an a, an example of of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. What are, an erratic magnetosphere literally causes the gravitational field lines that surround our planet to go haywire from time to time, or just suddenly disappear and then reorganize again and come back up. They skiff those lines. The technology they use is is magnetic. Okay, and they either repel or attract. A magnetic field around this Earth to fly here. They use them like uh, surfboards in the ocean. Okay, and it's called skiffing. And they're so erratic here now that you can you can be flying and then suddenly you lose your your you lose your wave so to speak, and they'll go straight down. A good pilot will avoid it, see it coming, and avert it. But sometimes you get a young pilot or circumstances that are really dire, and they'll just go straight to the ground. It doesn't matter how. Uh, gravitational they are. If they lose that guideline, they can go straight down to the ground and crash. It happens. Has happened.
1: Is this what happens to birds? They have some magnetite in their their brains that allows right. them to navigate. But you probably right. have it's seen recently eyes. how you know thousands can fall at the same time from the sky. Is that the same thing that's yeah. happening to these craft?
2: Yes. Yep. Absolutely. That's why whales are beaching, dolphins, why animals are going the wrong way. It's all going haywire on our planet. All of us are somewhat magnetically charged. We we you can tell. Uh, even you have that ability in your bio. Your your body humans you know you, there's some people that just always know where they are all the time you can put a blindfold on and they could tell you where east west north and south is and navigate blind people navigate quite well they have that ability uh it's just not as well developed because you're not using your innate abilities do it you would see energy if you could use your innate abilities like birds and animals do they live by it that's how they exist
1: this is all so fascinating and We've discussed a lot of your story and i'm going to continue discussing this in part two but i also want to get deeper because obviously there's a message to disseminate there's a message to convey to the world's population things are not going well right now i don't need to tell anyone i don't mean to be a doom and gloomer but things are not looking bright and i hope that they have a message for all of us and how to make things better for every single living being on earth how can people buy the book your story written by encapsulated by President dennett symmetry a true ufo adventure
2: it's on amazon it is in paperback as well as um uh, uh kindle uh, you can get it that way if you walk into a bookstore they can order it for you that way and they'll send it to them and um you can also go on uh, i think uh, I think people are starting to trade it back and forth on some of the other platforms. Like if you've bought it and you want to trade it for another book, you can go on eBay and find it that way from time to time as well.
1: Excellent. I know you don't have a website yet, but in the future, when you do, let me know what it is so I can link it on this website when people listen to it, uh, you know, days, weeks, months, or years after today. I'm here with Dolly Saffron. Much more when we return. This is Mel Hossel, and you are listening to Veritas.
0: Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part, of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, and all of our material, proceed to the member section, or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store. For Focus Life Force Energy, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.